Hello and welcome to the Christmas edition of the CTS Netbeat podcast. This is the last one of the year and this is a huge edition. There is a fantastic study uh, that is out all about the Ischemia trial, what it really means for CABG, including some shocking studies that show that maybe PCI causes cancer. Uh, check out the full podcast for this in more detail. We've got a really good analysis on TAVA versus SAVA, uh, even better results for surgical AVR. We've got some great uh, uh, videos on how to make your own valve conduit, a wonderful ROS procedure and a really stunning warm aortic arch replacement. Uh, check that out. Uh, we have honourable mentions and finally uh, from all of us at CTSnet thank you for watching throughout the year and please tune in next year when we're going to do a full year of weekly podcasts. Welcome to the CTS Net Beat Podcast. My name is Joel Dunning and this is the Christmas edition, the final one of the year. Thank you so much for listening uh, every week if you do or just dipping in and out. We don't mind really. The whole point is to give you all the best uh, videos, all the best news and articles and all the best events and just everything that's good and exciting about kydothoracic surgery. Uh, we'll do this all next year as well, weekly, uh, so I hope you can join us. Uh, we've again got a really busy website this year. We've got three great uh, articles and three great videos. But in particular, there has been one standout article this week. Um, this is all about the ischemia trial. So the article is called The Ischemia Trial Revisited, Setting the Record Straight on the Benefits of CABG and the Misinterpretation of a Landmark Trial. This is published this week at the European Journal. And just listen to the stellar list of authors. So we have Walter Gomez from Brazil, Matteo Martin Coates, uh, we've got Faisal Bekin from the Cleveland Clinic, who was on the guidelines committees, Rafael Sabada, Secretary General of EACTS, uh, Victor Dan, Rui Almeida, President of the World Society of Kydrastic Surgery, President of LACES, uh, Alessandro Perlari, uh, President of the Italian Society, Patrick Myers, our President of CTSnet and hugely involved in EACTS and STS, and Michael Borger, who leads like Zig. So, you know, these are the biggest hitters uh, of kydothoracic surgery, and they've all come together to do an analysis of the ischemia trial. Now, why have they done that? Well, the ischemia trial was used as the basis for downgrading CABG to 2A for multivessel disease and moderate LV function and 2B for multivessel disease with normal LV function in the 2021 AHA guidelines. And that was just a disaster. It was a mistake, it was wrong, and it was based on the ischemia trial. So they go in really good detail uh, in this paper all about why they got things wrong. So just a little recap, the ischemia trial. Uh, this was a randomized trial between 2012 and 2018, and there were 5,179 patients in it. Uh, they had moderate or severe myocardial ischemia, and they were randomized to an invasive strategy or a medical therapy strategy. Now, this invasive strategy could be PCI or, PCI or CABG. Um, really important, there was no randomization between CABG and medical therapy. CABG is just a subset of this. Uh, now, how much of a subset? Well, the CABG group was only 25% uh, of the patients uh, in the ischemia trial. So 75% was PCI. 
other really important things is that only 36% of patients in the ischemia trial actually had more than 50% uh, proximal LAD disease. So, you know, 70% of them, you know, would not have prognostic disease uh, in our world. Um, other really big things in this is that, uh, well, first of all, let's just, how did they randomize, uh, how did they decide the strategy, CABG versus PCI, where they used the modern way we normally decide ourselves, so one or two vessel disease, uh, not having much LAD disease, you know, got PCI, three vessel disease was decided on a syntax score, so high syntax scores got CABG, um, and people with diabetes uh, got CABG more. So there's a little subset in this ischemia trial that has CABG and then there's a big set that has PCI. So what did the ischemia trial find? And there's also an ischemia long-term trial outcomes as well. So there's a four-year group and seven-year group. Um, and then the overall differences were not much. Um, there was no uh, mortality differences, uh, death or MI, in the whole study as a whole. Um, but if you actually look at some subgroups, uh, and the subgroup with the most severe coronary vascular disease, the death or MI rate was lower in the invasive strategy. And then in the worst group, uh, which was 659 patients, there was significantly uh, less death and MI compared to the control group. So the iller you got, the more your survival benefit uh, was shown. Um, now, this is really important. So, so there was a significant lower seven-year rate of cardiovascular mortality uh, with this invasive strategy. Uh, that's really important. And then the severest, uh, most of which were having CABG, did get a benefit for cardiovascular death or MI. Now, here's a really strange bit. In the conservative group, there was an excess of death uh, sorry, in the invasive group, sorry, there was an excess of death in the non-cardiovascular group. So there was more cancers and more infections in the invasive strategy. So what's that doing to the trial? Well, if you're getting more cancers or more infections in the invasive strategy, of which CABG is in, but PCI is doing 75% of it, then that's pushing up your death rate. But this is weird. Why is PCI causing increase cancer or infections. You know, th that can't be right, can it? Well, this paper is really impressive. It actually says, let's look at some other studies. Um, so, and there are a lot of other studies. The BEST trial, uh, there was a difference of cancer deaths more in the PCI groups. In the syntax group, there were more cancer and infection deaths. And in the FAME trial, there's a higher non-cardiac death rate in the PCI groups. But how on earth would this work? What the hell's going on here? Well, here's the answer. You put a big metal stent in a coronary artery. That's a foreign body. It's going to induce a local and systemic uh, chronic inflammatory reaction. There's been proven to be higher levels of blood TNF, higher levels of interleukin. And inflammation is well known to cause an increased rate of cancer and an increased rate of uh, infection. So actually, there's a plausible correlation to PCI causing increased cancer rates. There is proof in multiple trials, if you look at them. And this has pushed the overall death rate up in the ischemia trial in the intervention group. So that's pretty alarming, really. Um, so uh, and a few other things just to look at um, in the 
intervention group, we know that PCI doesn't in, doesn't improve your mortality. Um, Courage, Mass2, Barry, they all showed that PCI doesn't make you live longer. And that's because it doesn't fix upstream and downstream uh, problems. It doesn't protect you for future events, but that's what CABG does. And we know from the syntax trial and the stitch trial and the freedom trial that, that CABG does protect you from mortality. So I do encourage you to go and look at this brilliant analysis. You know, this is the reason why we should be re-evaluating the guidelines uh, the AHF come out. And this is why um, Faisal and others uh, left uh, the AHA group creating these guidelines because they got it wrong. Uh, and I think this is a really interesting new world where we uh, have found some worries about increased cancer rates with PCI. So let's see how that goes and well done. What a great paper in the European Journal this month. The second paper we've chosen for you is another really interesting paper. It's uh, called Trends in Management Outcomes of Type B Aortic Dissection, a report, a report from um, the IRAD, the International Registry of Aortic Dissection. Um, really, really big database from 1996 to 2022, uh, 3,908 patients, all with type B aortic dissection. They broke this down into time periods, uh, and that's a huge span of time that they've got, uh, four different time periods. And what interesting things they found is that uh, endovascular treatment really has increased quite a bit, from 19% back in 1996 to 37% in, in 2022. Um, medical therapy has now gone down from, you know, it's a type B, let's do nothing. Uh, far more people are getting mainly endovascular treatment. Open surgery uh, has gone down from 14% to 7%. But the really good news is that in hospital mortality is going down from 10% to 6%. Uh, and uh, three-year survival is getting better as well. So the conclusion of this study in type B dissections is we're doing more endovascular treatment, less invasive huge operations, which I'm sure we're all relieved about, but it is making a difference. It's making people live longer. So nice paper, really well done, uh, and check that out. There's uh, a link in the show notes below. And the third paper we've got for you uh, is a systematic review and meta-analysis published in the ICVTS this month. Uh, and, uh, and this is a Bayesian interpretation. So what did they do for this? Well, they took eight RCTs, 8,698 patients. They compared the TAVA versus SAVA rates in them, and they looked at the longer-term mortalities. Um, they found that when they put all these together, they found the five-year survival was 61% for TAVA and 63% uh, for SAVA. So surgical AVRs are living longer at five years in all these groups, so high, moderate and low risks. Um, and then they did a base analysis to, to decide what is the probability that this is luck versus real true facts. And they found the chance that this is luck is 0.1%. The chance that surgical AVR makes you live longer than TAVA is 99.9% uh, out of all those studies. So again, uh, a study showing that uh, you know there is a small but significant survival advantage in surgical AVR. And we do need to be passing this on to our patients through our MDTs. 
So those were our three papers that you can find on the CTSnet website this week. Uh, and before I go to the videos, I'll just pass you over to the CTSnet office to tell you what else there is on the website this week. CTSnet's ninth annual resident video competition is now open for submissions. Residents and medical students of all CT surgical specialties are eligible to submit surgical videos for a chance to win prominent publication on CTSnet and an exclusive interview with the judges. The deadline to submit is December 29, 2023. To learn more, head to the resident video competition page on ctsnet.org. First of our three videos that we're highlighting this week is a really different uh, video. It's an exactly how to do it technique for making your own valve conduit. So a valve conduit for whatever you want to use it for. Obviously, Alan O'Donnell uh, and the team are all uh, uh, pediatric surgeons um, and, uh, and really great pediatric surgeons. So they need some really, really small valve conduits sometimes. And so they're showing us how to make one as small as a five or six millimeter conduit all the way up to a 32 millimeter conduit. And basically they take a, a some PTFE and they show you how to fold it and every single step to make a three leaflet valve conduit. And then they show you how to suture this uh, into a tube graft of your choice. Um, and the cost uh, of making one of these is around $800 compared to say four dollars to $12,000 if you were going to make a commercially available one, which you know you might even not be able to find one that small as well. So really interesting, massive saving. Um, takes about 20, 30 minutes to make one of these, but they've also uh, told us all about uh, their experience. They've made you know well over 100 of these with really good results. Uh, really interestingly, they go through the exactly how to do it stitch by stitch, and then they show us a clinical example and then they put it on a rig a really interesting rig to look at durability as well so great job really interesting great job done by them from their children's hospital um, the second video we've got for you is by Roy Vigies, uh, Shaikh Arif and Philip Matthew uh, and they have a really nice video all about a, a young child, uh, who a girl who's uh, seven years old uh, who has severe uh, aortic stenosis, had tried valvuloplasty at six months but it's, uh, it's re-stenosed and so what do you do for a seven-year-old girl? Well there's only one operation you can do and it's a ROS procedure. So they've got a beautiful above table camera uh, and they do a really really good job of uh, videoing every single step of excising the stenosed aortic valve getting those two coronary buttons out uh, transecting the pulmonary artery putting a Satinsky through the valve so they make an incision in the right ventricle uh, showing us uh, the cuff they take showing how you need to get so close uh, to the valve to avoid hitting the first septal um, and uh, and then harvesting that valve and then showing how you then fashion it and implant it into the aortic annulus uh, do your two buttons and then put a homograft uh, in in the pulmonary position so really nice if you like uh, ROS procedures then it's definitely one to look out for um, does seem to be making a bit of a revival ROS procedure so mechanical valves super unpopular um, can't even do it in children this age of course but even in 30 40 year olds do you really really want to have uh, Coumadin for life uh, so, so it does seem to be getting a bit of a renaissance, uh, that fantastic Ross procedure. 
And then the third video is an absolute favorite of mine. This is genius. Uh, uh, Shinichi Fukuhara. Uh, from Japan uh, is uh, the author of this and uh, the title is an introduction to novel warm aortic arch repair strategy. Now I thought this would be some kind of cheat video where they didn't really do an aortic arch replacement but they do and they do it at 37 degrees centigrade and it's absolutely genius. It looks absolutely brilliant. So first step uh, cannulate the aorta in the distal uh, arch, after the arch, or just slightly the descending. Uh, so they open the snotty really, really wide. They use a um, seldinger technique to make sure you safely get in the descending arch, and you've now cannulated the descending arch. Brilliant. Step two, um, get some just normal um, normal cardioplegia cannulae and uh, cannulate the head and neck vessels. So now what can you do? Well, now you can cross clamp proximal to your um, aortic cannula and you can clamp uh, proximal to where you can give brain plegia. So now you can give blood to the brain, blood to the rest of the body, so you don't need to cool down. Absolutely genius. That's fantastic. So they clamp proximally all the other end and give plegia to put the heart to sleep. Uh, but you've now got uh, the head and neck vessels isolated and perfused, uh, the distal aorta perfused, uh, and, and they, they proceed to take off the head and neck vessels, take off the arch and replace it. They were actually very quick doing that, but I don't think they needed to be. Um, and then once they'd put the head and neck vessels uh, and the distal aorta uh, back on a graft, they then clamped that and uh, restored full perfusion uh, with your aortic cannula to the head and neck and the rest of the body and then uh, anastomode that proximally to do whatever you like. I think I think this is a game changer. This is fantastic. Um, the operation they showed was incredible. It was... Um, a 47 minute cross clamp time, uh, 65 minute uh, bypass time, um, sorry, 47 minute uh, anterior cerebral perfusion time. Um, and uh, so really, really quick, only 131 minutes on bypass, uh, you know, very, very impressive. And, and I definitely think people should try this, you know, big, big difference to cooling down to 20 switching off. Uh, no time pressures as far as I could see. Great job. So check that out. Uh, it's on one of our videos uh, this week. So that's our videos for this week and for the year, in fact. Uh, there are some upcoming events. Uh, Fundamentals in Congenital Heart Disease, Wednesday, 24th January, virtual course. So log on now. Uh, the EBCTS examinations uh, take this as a module. Um, STS Lung Transplant Symposium at San Antonio, Texas, January 26th. And of course, the STS is uh, on January the 27th uh, in, uh, in San Antonio. I'll be there and I hope you can be there too. Pop up to the stand at CTSnet and come and say hi perhaps. It'd be great to meet you. Um, so we're coming to the end. I better just mention uh, Diego, our roving thoracic surgeon, has uh, gone back to Shanghai to celebrate the 90th anniversary of the world's biggest thoracic surgery centre. Uh, Shanghai Pulmonary Hospital now currently averaging 140 operations, lobectomies a day. Um, and he went back there to celebrate. He's obviously had an incredible year. Shirui, new robot published, uh, gone round to, I believe, 50 countries this year. 
and there is talk of him uh, getting a new lorry to tour around Africa through his new foundation. So check out his foundation website for more information and maybe you could actually support him in this incredible endeavour to offer thoracic surgery to those who can't afford it across Africa. I know for a fact that in Ghana they do not pay for thoracic surgery. They'll pay for general surgery, leg surgery, orthopedics, gynae. They will not pay for heart and lung surgery for you. So there's a great need out in Africa. So well done for him who is dedicating his life to charity as well as training. Uh, and um, so reflections on the year from myself I've really enjoyed doing this podcast thank you for your feedback um, some of the highlights have been going to EAX it's been going to Ghana having a week there and it's been going to the Cleveland Clinic that's been really enjoyable uh, and I think we've come a long way with CTSnet this year. Uh, we've got a whole new brilliant senior editors team, a Jans editors team. Uh, we've got loads of new content. We're starting world's best. We've got some brilliant new content for next year. Tristan Yan's going to do a series on robotic mitrals. Vince Gaudiani has got an absolute banger series on how to operate on patients who've had a TAVA. So there's a lot to look out for on the CTSnet website. It'll be a new website as well. And we'll have some uh, new look uh, for 2024 so finally thank you very much for watching this year uh, we'll be back next on january the 11th after a little break and finally my honorable mention goes to santa see you on the 25th big guy